So guys, welcome to another episode of B-Side Podcasts, where we discuss business, blockchain, and of course, Bitcoin. Today with me is Pavel Yakovla. Pavel, it's so great to have you. Likewise, man. Absolutely excited to be here. Uh, you're definitely much more tan than I am being in Dubai, <laughs> so I'm in a cloudy, wintry Switzerland. But uh, yeah, excited to be here. I also, I, I'm not sure whether your intention has been to play on the naming, so B-sides. So for me, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big music fan. And, you know, whenever there's some of the bands that I like would release the, the, the B-sides or effectively some of their unreleased materials, yeah. uh, it will always be a jam, right? I'm a big fan of the editors and like whenever they do B-sides, it's just like amazing. Some really good stuff. So I hope that's going to be it. Yeah, that's that was like a multi-layer, I would say, naming, uh, <laughs> brainstorming. But that's one way to put it. That's that's as well uh, one of the interpretation. Well, Pavel, it's so great to have you because you've got like a vast experience in startups, advisory, fundraising, marketing, and communication. And I think uh, most of those things are pretty hard for um, for founders in this space because they are usually tech savvy uh, geeks super tech oriented, etc. So um, I would love to learn from your experience and the audience would love to learn from your experience. What are like the, the, the biggest challenge? But before, before that, um, let's make it like a bit more um, general question. What do you think the future actually holds for web free space and for web free startups? Is it a hype that's going to pass once again? Or is it going to stay? What is the future? What are the most interesting areas that you think that this can develop to? That's a great question. So, so I've been in the space for six, seven years now. Um, I, I I was born out of the previous bear cycle. Has you know rode the the highs of the highs of the bull, the previous bull. I. I can proudly wear a badge of survivor of the of the bear OG. now, um, and now we're getting into the next bull. However, that bull will look like we will see. Nobody knows for sure, but definitely things have changed tremendously. Um, so I'm I'm just excited to see where we're gonna go. Um, I the reason why I'm in the space specifically is because I, if you subtract the the, the you know the obvious negativity that surrounds it. Um, I think some of the more interesting things that I'm particularly excited about is this fusion of tech and creativity. And I think that that both tech and creativity join through necessity. Um, and I think the only other place where you see that you know both creativity and marketing and these beautiful designs and and all of the other stuff is with like large hardware manufacturers like Apple. So that's why for me, whenever I see things that are being developed um, that look aesthetically appealing, that are, you know, some products or dApps or however you want to call it, that actually innovative when it comes to technology and at the same time bring in some interesting creative approaches to marketing or the way they look and feel. So for me, this is, it's an interesting fusion, I would say. And, and I haven't seen anything like this um, anywhere in any other sectors. Not that I know much right now, pretty deep in this industry. In terms of what the future holds, um, I think what 
we're going to go through. I think right now this is going to be one last hurrah um, of a kind of sort of unregulated craziness, which we've yeah. seen so far. And despite the fact that, that we, you know, there are several regulators that are trying to regulate this thing, I still believe that the regulators don't necessarily get it. I think they don't understand the the nature of the open source um, economy. The fact that anybody, if they spend a tiny little bit amount of time on, on understanding how basic solidity works um, and with, with a bit of hype on X effectively can launch their own stable coin. Right. And, and, yeah. and, that whole thing has been, for example, completely <laughs> absent from the Mika and Mika R regulation. That it's, so that scenario. So, but I think regulators will get it, and I think there's going to be. They just need time, right? And and mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll go through that uptake of regulation, and we'll be brought into the fold. We've seen that with other industries. We've seen the same thing you know, happening with uh, gambling, for example. So I, I think it's going to happen, like especially, you know, online gambling. But so do you so that's going to that- happen. Regulation is going to ramp up for sure. And there's going to be, you know, we see that with, uh, you know, cross-border stuff. And and again, if you, if you really want to be anonymous and hide from the authorities and, you know, do whatever, whatever, um, you're still able to do that, but you need to effectively, you know, completely use like anonymous devices, VPN, and, and it's just too much, too much work, I would say for yeah. regular crypto users. So I think you regular users, you know, opportunists, um, early investors, uh, backers, contributors, everybody's going to be brought into the fold. And once that's brought into the fold, the next big thing is going to happen, in in, in my opinion, is is going to be um, market consolidation. Mm-hmm. And that's also inevitable. So effectively, I, we internally and with some of our partners and friends guesstimate that the big M&A spree is going to happen in the next five to 10 years. And mm-hmm. then we'll see. Right? Then we will see what that is. Amongst all of the types of the projects, right? So exchanges, um, you know, oracles, uh, chains, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I I totally agree. I think that this is um, this is what happens on more mature markets where the big guys actually take over and uh, they do the next steps by acquisitions rather than just organ growth. Um, that's that seems like a logical business um, business thing to do. Uh, that's great, but. Um, you've mentioned also uh, the bull run and the cyclical kind of element to to it. Is it the only thing that actually makes the web free industry um, dynamic special? Like, do you think there are any other specific elements around web free startups and industry in general that make it different than the other parts of the economy, or, or do you think that this bull Burr market narrative actually, um, and of course, money that goes goes in and goes out um, determines all of that. I think the fact that we what we what we saw during the last uh, bull, I think, was an anomaly. 
and I think a lot of that was driven by um, the, the crazy liquidity injection that we've seen due to Corona times. And now it's pretty evident that if you if you look at the global environment in general, I mean, we're in, in a couple of regional wars, right? There's a war in Europe, there's a war yeah. in the Middle East. Um, there's all these different things. There's a clear liquidity crunch um, and that liquidity crunch is affecting the public. So, you know, the prices has been double, tripled in developed countries. God knows what's happening in developing countries. So all of that basically leads you to the question of, you know, well, how much cash we're going to have um, in our industry to do all the crazy stuff that we did before. Um, let's see. You know, we we have to go through the, you know, the, the historically again, and, and none of the past performances guarantee future performances, but historically, uh, things start to heat up post halving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also seen the, the ETF come on ETFs, multiple ETFs come online. Have we seen the craziness around that? You know, not really. It was nice. It was a testament. It was, yeah, great, amazing. So, you know, from, um, you know, buying pizzas, uh, you know, 10 years ago and, 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 you know, potentially paying for drugs on Silk Road and, and, and hiring hitmen, you know, we're all of a sudden it's, it's an actual asset that's wrapped in a, you know, an exchange traded fund, um, vehicle and it's traded on, on major exchanges worldwide and everybody and their grandma can buy it. It's very interesting from that perspective, but we haven't seen that influx of liquidity that everybody has effectively thought about. Why is that? Most probably because the price doesn't necessarily reflect the insanity that people might, you know, have the, you know, the excuse to to participate in this market yet. Will we see it? Most probably. There are far smarter people than I am, like Kathy Woods, who I'm a big fan of, who proclaim that most probably, you know, Bitcoin is going to be at some crazy seven digit numbers at one point. Most probably, we'll see. Uh, you know, now in Switzerland, there's some discussions in terms of are you able to allocate portion of your pension towards a, a Bitcoin ETF? Like oh, really? things are going to start happening. Yay, of course. Because, so the way that it's structured here is it's it's three it's three layers. So the first layer is your basically the government covers your first tranche. Mm-hmm. The second tranche is it's it's a combination between what you pay in as part of your wage and the company contribution. And these two Mm -hmm. are mandatory. And then the third one is not necessarily mandatory, but you can claw it back from your taxes. And then people just, and there's also like a limited amount that you can put in per year. Um, And effectively so far, banks have been profiting the most from this saying like, you know, just leave your third pillar with us and we'll invest it for you. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, locked accounts sure. for a period of time, and then you're going to earn 0.35% on it for the duration of whatever. But the good thing is that you cannot claw back. And then the question would be, okay, but if I have full autonomy in terms of where do I allocate this this third pillar? Do I have the full autonomy to allocate it towards Bitcoin, for example, and then claw it back for my taxes, which doesn't sound like a bad thing. So far, you can only allocate about, if you do that, like I'd say, 
you know, point point two uh, of Bitcoin per year, which is not too crazy, but it's something, and most probably over years it would end up. You know. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's see, man. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting and exciting. Um, I'm one hundred percent bullish on Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is, in general, it's um, becoming less of a liquid asset, which is great. Um, for some narratives and then for other narratives, less great because it defeats the purpose of Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see, man. We'll see. Don't but have a crystal not, ball. I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page here. I think what happened in the US with ETFs actually legitimized Bitcoin as a worldwide recognizable um, asset class. And I think it was a game changer. And I think we will see the effects of that in the next couple of months or probably the biggest effects in a couple of years. But uh, that was definitely monumental. Um, and the price action, I think, you know, as we both agree on, price is not the value. The value is measured in different metrics rather than the price. Price is just a point in time where the market says, this is what I'm going to sell it for, or this is what I'm going to buy it for. That's it. But it's not about how many users actually use it, um, what's the hash rate, what's the difficulty, et cetera, et cetera. All those metrics that actually um, make sure that, uh, that this network is growing is useful. Um, so I think we're on the same page here um, and I'm looking forward to, um, to the future of Bitcoin very optimistically. But I wanted to get back a bit to all the other startups and all the other projects mm -hmm. that you're involved with. Um, and from your mm -hmm. practice, what do you think are like, two or three main areas that are going to be most exciting in crypto space or web free space in general? That's a, that's a tough one. Cause there's, there's a lot um, of stuff that I'm particularly excited about. And they, we clearly see this as a trend. So some type of Bitcoin programmability will become available. I mean, it's prone to, I think with enough, talent and enough capital um being poured into the the bit and i'm not talking just brc20 right it's mm -hmm. um it's everything it's 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 all of the virtual machines and all of the l2s and and the the direct integrations on icp and all sorts of different things so i think with enough mm -hmm. enough resources and time and effort um something's going to get solved and effectively what you do want to have is that you know the bitcoin network is like windows 3.11 i think right it's 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 good it's stable it's uncompromisable yet um and but then you want to do more with it maybe potentially somehow and you want to program it and you want to make it more useful and we've seen that with the brc20 and inscriptions and like people going absolutely crazy about all these different things but that's those things were still a tiny little bit of gimmicky but you it's good that we've had that right but then what is it what what else can we potentially build on top of that are we looking at so more use cases assets? on bitcoin for sure, assets being being issued with the use of Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin used as a collateral because you know yeah. I, I don't I don't understand, and I'm gonna get flamed for this. I don't understand why would you want to lock your liquid asset to issue more liquid assets? 
which is happening in the Ethereum ecosystem. Like it doesn't make sense. You usually lock the liquid asset to make, you make a liquid asset more liquid by locking it, right? You have a house or you, you know, you can pawn, you can pawn your phone to issue some cash against it. You cannot pay with your phone, but you, if you pawn it, you can get some cash and you can go and you can spend yeah. it. So it's the same thing here. So with Bitcoin becoming more illiquid, you know, pawning it and making it more liquid would be an interesting way of, 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 of operating with it. And then we see the gaming narrative for me is an interesting one. Um, I don't know much about it. There are way smarter people that I interface with, that I build with, who know much more about everything GameFi and new models and everything, mm -hmm. everything. But to me, the big question mark is always going to be the users, you know, mm -hmm. whether whatever we build is going to be developed with users in mind rather than, oh, let's issue a bunch of coins and a bunch of NFTs and then, you know, a bunch of nodes. And then somehow this hodgepodge should work together and potentially onboard zero users. So that's a big one for me. So I think if you put users or gamers first, then maybe the narratives are going to be far more interesting. So we'll see. Have you heard about um, GTA 6 implementing? Uh, have you heard about this the, these rumors about GTA 6 implementing um, web-free technology? So most probably some NFTs, etc. Um, that would be, you know, running on public blockchains. I don't know if it's true, if it's happening, but if so, then we've got like triple A game that actually, you know, pushes this technology to the edges uh, in terms of um, in terms of popularity, I would say. So I totally agree. I think I think gaming is an interesting interesting space, but as you said, it has to be like super simple, user user friendly, user first approach rather than just issuing the tokens that and the, the tricky part is I mean the tricky part, the great thing about onboarding gamers to Web3 is um, I saw a report. I don't remember exactly the name, but it seemed like gamers have got like pretty much the same profile to traders in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, personal characteristics. They like risk. They like new technologies. They like um, uh, getting points, you know, they, they like competing, etc. So it seems like it's a great match for um for for example for exchanges to try and you know um and onboard the, the, the gamers to their platforms because this is the environment that they are in a way uh, comfortable with so I, I think if we can if we can also introduce those kind of elements that are native to to um to gamers into the crypto exchanges and this this already happens to some extent, right? You've got like a lot of those gamified missions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's still like clumsy, but I think this is this is the direction. And I think those great exchanges they know that there's like three billion gamers around the world, and there's like only five hundred million crypto users around the world. So it's six uh, x, I would say, to do on that. Yeah. For sure, for sure, man. And I think the best example is obviously Blur, right? That that gamified the hell out of the yeah. 
the panzanomics um mm. and and uh, that's that's where you want to be right you want to make experiences fun and, and gamified and addictive and that's what 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 games activate within your brain so um and then of course that that whole notion of owning your assets trading them building certain things up having some kind of a universal engine matching engine for all the in-game things you know 100 that that narrative is there one of the be- better narratives that's out there is portal coin i don't mm-hmm. know if you'd like if you've seen it you know for, no. for a period of time for a period of time they did like this insane insane airdrop and you know for a period of time uh my whole timeline was just like portal coin portal coin portal coin portal coin like everything just like people going completely crazy about it they're gearing up for the tge they're really really nice guys uh insane numbers like 200 plus titles um you know obviously the cross-chain narrative uh, insane amount of kols backers everything so very very interesting and their whole promise is this right so bring your titles uh traditional web 2 titles and we'll put them on mm. web 3 and we'll make it sleek and easy for your users not even to touch and feel whatever the hell they're doing which is mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a great narrative to me and then if we go back to like two three examples the so two examples i gave you says so bitcoin programmability is definitely gaming but i don't know what shape and form it's going to be and the third one is a bit of a wild card because mm. it may or may not happen, but I think we're going to see some kind of a contestant to the EVM ecosystem. I think we're ripe for that. And it's not going to be any of the guys that you would immediately think like. It's not going to be Cardano because it's dead. It's not going to be Tezos because they just missed the boat tremendously. So I got to be Polkadot. Like, stop beating that horse. It's dead. Mm. It, you know, no, don't even try to go there. It's not going to, I don't know whether it's going to be Bitcoin or one of the LTs on Bitcoin. It could be that as well. But I think the scalability issue that we're seeing now with ETH and all of the L2s is, I think it's more of a, it's, it's, we're, in, we're increasing the problem rather than finding solutions. Okay. That's how I see it. That's, 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 that's an interesting take. Um, so let's say I've got a revolutionary idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's say I, I have one. And um, I've got a bunch of very smart technical people. So we start building mm-hmm. something. We've got like the first users. But then we stuck. Then we mm-hmm. don't know how to grow above from this organic movement that we were able to actually, um, uh, you know, commands um, amongst our networks. How do you grow? Like, literally, what are the, you know, let's say first two or three steps that you have to implement to actually start your growth strategy as a Web3 project? If you're an L1, um, you just simply need a good good bag to play with Mm. and an effective uh, DevRel strategy, I would say. And so developer relations, and that's how you effectively, you would grow, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. what we see with some of the ecosystems, a lot of these things are formed naturally and the others are just, you have to give them a tiny little bit of a push and mm-hmm. they just happen. 
And uh, people need to get excited about, I think, the, the, the narrative that you have. You have to be pretty good at storytelling. Um, it, and it's quite difficult because what you're building is pretty sophisticated and techy and nerdy. So you need to find that balance between capturing, um, you know, general folks attention. That yeah. General attention in terms of like, why would you? Because that, the age of, you know, the monolith L1s, as I would call them, is over, right? Mm-hmm. There's no more EOS, there's no more Polkadot, there's no more Cardano, there's no more Tezos. Nobody cares. Everybody wants to spin up their OP, you know, optimistic stack uh, node, fork optimism, get an L2 going, or, you know, if they're a tiny little bit more brainy, maybe, you know, go set up a hyperchain on ZK Sync. And that's it. These are your options, kind of. Hmm. That's, that's So that that I would say, like, that would be an interesting way of, you know, figuring stuff up and, and, and growing. And then you need to have whatever, initially, whatever you have uh, needs to cut the mustard because if you don't have prime, prime, prime VCs in this space, mm-hmm. you're not going to get far. But if you do, I mean, look at, uh, look at Blast, right? Blast is backed by Paradigm. And, yeah. you know, it's going to be pretty good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Um, and then, so capital DevRel definitely, and then storytelling is another one pretty important element. Um, and then community management, like there's no yeah, you have to hire like people skimp out on community managers. You can't. You need to hire top 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 level guys. Mm. That's I think like community management in general from being some of the cheapest, most undervalued jobs um, is going to become even more and more and more prominent because there's a lot of mods, but there's not a lot of really good community leads and community managers. Mm. And that's, yeah. that to me is key. I think, I think it's your, your, you're on the spot here. I think it's, it's, it's a challenge um, to actually be able to, invigorate the whole community and to make them you know passionate passionate about something as you mentioned techie like at the end of the day it's a techie stuff so you have to really make sure that that you you build your story uh in an approachable way that that actually makes people excited well pavel thanks a lot thanks thanks for sharing your insight that was uh that was a great conversation guys if you enjoyed it please click subscribe and like this uh, this film also if uh, as Pavel and me you guys are bullish on Bitcoin but don't know where to start please make sure to visit our website at um, bitcoinfocus.com and I'm here to help um, so I'll, I'll give you a hand with the first uh, steps to to get your first Bitcoin thank you so much Pavel once again and see you all next time thanks for having me man cheers cheers